Well, it is officially 2024. Um, it is not only the first Monday, but it's the first day of the year. Um, and as such, I, doubt, um, I have no doubt that, that many of you have resolved to, to do something different, right? To set goals and, and that thing. And um, as tempting as it is, you know, typically in New Year, it's, it's kind of obligatory that you talk about that to some degree, right? The goal setting, all that. I'm not going to do that this year. Um, tonight, I actually want to kick off a, a different series, and it's called Recenter. Um, and it's going to carry us through the entire month of January. So we're going to have five of these coming up. And what I want to talk about is not doing something new, but going back to something old. And I'm not talking about going back to like our old ways, but kind of going back to that first love, um, that, that first desire to change. Because I know this, we drift, right? We, we get off base, and when we start off maybe um, hungry or, or on fire for, for something new and for change, and then over time, it, it begins to dwindle. And, and what was uh, once a, a burning bush is just kind of a, some smoldering ash, right? And so I want to talk about getting back to some basics, um, getting back to the road that we were traveling, um, to the, that first time where you said, you know, I'm going to commit to changing my life. I'm going to commit to something different. And I know for me, for many years, and still at, at times, I have valleys. I have valleys in my walk. And you may be like, I thought you were a pastor. Like, this is what you do, right? It is. And, and I know how hard it is for me. I can't imagine um, being out there and, and not having like your whole life <laughs> centered and, and, and surrounded with this. Um, I, I remember what that was like, right? I wasn't always a pastor. And, and it's, it, it's difficult now. It's difficult then. We have those ups and downs, but it's so important. It's so important for us, again, to go back to our first love and, and to the basics. You know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of times people will accuse the gospel of being basic, right? And, and the things of God as being basic things. But it's interesting. You know, when we see our New Testament, most of it is letters, right? You know who they're written to? Believers. And, and, and that basic truth was presented time and time again to believers, people who had been following, not necessarily new believers, but people who'd been in the faith. And so if it was important for them, it's important for us, again, to go back and look. And so um, this past summer, my family and I, we took, uh, we took a road trip, and, and it was great. And um, we were in the car for days on end. Um, and uh, there was a lot of sarcasm there. It was horrible. Um, but uh, I learned something about myself and all of that. I'm easily distracted. And um, people have known me for a while. I was like, yeah, we've known that. Well, I didn't. I didn't know how easily distracted I was. And, and so I remember when we started, I get in the car, and I set coordinates in the GPS when we're going. And, and at first, I'm doing good. But, but I find myself messing with the GPS. Anybody do that? And so I'm like looking at all the things like driving and I'm like zooming out like what's around us. We're getting to new states, new places and, and whatever's going on. And then, um, then when I'm getting tired, um, I'm like dragging down the route. Like how much longer do we have that like scrolling like um, as if it doesn't have an estimated time of arrival already there. And, um, and then I would just get so off base and it's talking to me and I'd have to hit that little button down there, right? Recenter, right? To, to bring me back to where I need to be. That's what happens in, in our walk, right? We get so distracted um, about the things that are outside of the moment, right? The things that, that are out there going on that, that we miss what God has for us right here in our walk. Or, or we get so anxious about the future. God, what's next, right? And we scroll off the route and, and God's saying, no, like it, the moment here. Don't miss what I have for you here. Don't miss the growth that I have for you here. And we just start looking to what's next and we miss it. And so we want to we talk again about, about recentering. 
bring it in. Pull it back. Don't, don't waste this year looking forward to next year, right? Don't miss this moment because you're so distracted by the other things going on out there. Get back to what God has for you right now and right here. And so uh, Matthew, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Jesus says this. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Say narrow gate. Only through the narrow gate. And, and that's interesting because um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I convince myself that, um, that the, it, the road is wide. The road is wide. But this is what Jesus says. He says, you can only enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gate to life is very narrow. Say very narrow. Very narrow, and the road is difficult. Only a few, say a few. Only a few will find it. Now, it's interesting. And uh, last night at the men's house, it was, uh, it was uh, we always have a guest speaker, and, and my friend Ron, he was sharing. It was interesting that he chose this because it's like, man, this is what I've been preparing to kind of talk about for um, the last month, and um, this, this idea. And he made a statement. He said, you know, you look around the room here, um, and there's, there's a lot, but the word says there's a few. And it's not talking about, you know, unbelievers. This is written to people who think they found the way. And so when we look around, are we one of the few or one of the many? Are we traveling on the broad road thinking we're heading through the narrow gate? Have we deceived ourselves? Because God's word's clear, right? It's a narrow road, a narrow focus, a narrow gate. And if you're anything like I can be, I'm easily distracted, and the things I'm distracted with aren't necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily of God. And the things that I get off center on, I can convince myself all day long that they're good, that they're holy, that they're set apart. But again, God's word says it's a, it's a narrow gate. It's a narrow gate. And, and again, he says, you can, in, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult, difficult. I don't know how many of us have convinced ourselves that faith was supposed to be easy, that, that recovery was supposed to be easy, right? Um, but it's hard. It's so hard to, to face our, our demons down and, and to face our shortcomings down and to subject ourselves to God's word because God's word should be difficult. It should be abrasive. It's meant to mold us and shape us. And sometimes that's a violent act, right? An aggressive one that, that shakes us to our very core. Maybe your foundation just needs ripped up completely. But again, when we look at that, this road is difficult and only a few ever find it. There's this one uh, saying, and, and I'm not sure who says it, but it says this, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And how many times do we miss, miss life, God's plan, God's purpose, thinking that we're pleasing him, we're honoring him, we're convincing ourselves of all sorts of nonsense and half-truths just to, to avoid some conviction. But we need to get back to what God says. We don't necessarily need to plot a new course so much as get back to the road we started on that moment where you were introduced to truth and you knew 
I was living this way and I've got I've to shift my focus and I've got I've to live this way now, right? Get, to get back to that moment because sometimes we did that and we were excited and God began to move and begin to do things and then we get a few months in or a few years in and we're like, oh man, this is so difficult. I don't have any time. I got to go to church, right? Or I need to maybe get a new job. I can't tell you how many times I see that. People drift and God's blessed them and relationship and job and these things and, it, and it's off course and there's, there's nothing wrong with career or there's nothing wrong with family. There's nothing wrong with these things but they eventually drag us away from the things of God. And before we know it, we're no longer on the narrow road. We're on the broad highway and it was paved with good intentions. And we convinced ourselves it was better than we used to be and we're doing right but are we? And we need to recenter, refocus. In order to travel the narrow road, we must have a narrow focus, right? A narrow focus. Our good intentions of successful careers, great family legacies, physical goals, wealth, personal experience are not necessarily bad, but they cannot be our guides. And they make a lousy compass. We must center ourselves, our lives, our journeys on the gateway to life. We must live to honor God, exemplify Jesus in everything we do. Tonight's message is titled this, Getting to Know God. And again, over the next few weeks, I wanna, I wanna talk about five things that, that are relatively basic that hopefully at one point when you encountered Jesus was, was a desire in your heart. And I wanna encourage you to get back to it. And, and you may be in here and you're like, yeah, this doesn't speak to me. I've never believed and I think you're full of crap. Hey, I get you. I was you one time and I, I showed up here for all sorts of other reasons and I didn't believe. And, and if that's you, this isn't necessarily a, a recenter for you, but it, it's a call to action. Maybe to believe for the first time, to get to know God for the first time, to, to fall in love with his word or prayer or whatever it may be for the first time, right? Because the answer for us as believers in here is the same answer to the unbeliever too, and I just encourage you, try it. If it's never been you and you've never attempted it, clearly you're here for a reason. What do you have to lose, right? And so um, we're gonna talk about getting to know God. And I wanna talk about immersing yourself in the all-sufficient wonder of who God is, of his character, the person of Jesus, the person of the Father, right? The person of the Holy Spirit, who he is, getting to know him. Paul said this in the letter to the Philippians, Philippians 3.10. And before we get into that, I want to remind you, we have all of our notes on the YouVersion Bible app. You can go to the events tab and look at it. Philippians was a letter written by the apostle Paul. Um, again, and he, was, he was writing to believers in, in Philippi. Um, and he says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. How many of us can say that's your desire, right? I don't know about you, but I want to know Christ. I know the broken world. I know the wrong things. I want to know the son of the living God, right? I want to know. I want to know who he is, the, the risen savior, right? The, the third person of the Trinity. And he, Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to experience the mighty power that ripped me from addiction, right? That pulled me from darkness. I want to know that. And he says, I want to suffer with him. Oh, wait, <laughs> never mind, never mind. I mean, I thought, that's not, that's not, that's what? Yeah, no, I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death, sharing in his death so that one way or another, 
I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul's saying, listen, I know, <laughs> I know getting to know God's gonna cost me something. And that's where we miss it, right? We don't think it should cost us anything. We, we, we forget that there's something to lay down, to surrender, that we die to self in this. And we make it all about God. And he says, I wanna get to know Christ. And I know that I must suffer with him, that I must share in his death. But he says, so that one way or another, I can experience salvation. So one way or another, I can experience the presence of God on this side and the next. So one way or another, I will experience God's will, his plan, and his purpose for my life. That's what Paul's saying, and he goes on. He says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things. He's saying, listen, I get that it's a journey. I don't mean to say I've already experienced these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So point number one tonight is this. When we're pursuing that intimate relationship with God, it comes through a pursuit of Jesus. Paul recognized that. We have to recognize that. It's not just by showing up to, to church, to recovery, fellowshipping with believers, but pursuit of him. Who he was, he says, but I press on to possess that perfection. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be passive. Um, and, and again, I'm gonna use a statement Ron made, and it's, it's funny because it just lined up so great with what I was already preaching on. But he said this, he said, I, I wasn't halfway a drug addict. I can't halfway be a Christian, right? And it's such a good statement. And that's what we think, right? We, we burn our lives down, all gas, no brakes, throwing everything away and, and messing up. And we can be so devoted to everything else. But when it comes to the things of God, we convince ourselves, that's weird. I don't wanna be a weird Christian. I don't, I don't wanna be, I just kind of want all the benefits. But, you know, God, can you just like give me all the benefits, but I don't really wanna be seen in public with you right? I mean, if we could just, am I the only one that, that wanted that, that tried to do that? But that's what we do. But it, it's a pursuit. But we try to be passive about it. We try to be indifferent. We try to, to cherry pick. We hold on to the idea that God pursues us, that God pursues us, and as he does, that we can play hard to get, right? I, I remember uh, dating my, my wife or trying to date my wife. It was, uh, and I don't know if she was playing hard to get or she's just looking at my life. She's like, I just don't know if I want to be a part of that train wreck. But still, um, it fits. And, and I remember it was like, she's kind of hanging out with me for a month and we're, and we're talking a little bit, but not in that context. And, and I remember when I asked her to date me um, and I expected like this response, our, our time together had been good, right? Everything seemed to click. And, and instead of like, yeah, you know, let, let's see how this goes. It was like, I'll let you know. Um, and then I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, I mean, it's whatever, you know. I'm, I wasn't really that interested anyways. Um, and, uh, and then so I expected like the next day to hear from her, like, yeah, let's give this a go. Next day rolls around, nothing. Nothing. I'm like, like at this point, I'm like, 
man, I should probably call Rick because, you know, I'm a part of the church, she's a part of the church, and we're probably getting ready to lose this whole family um, because she doesn't want it to be awkward that she's, you know, we've been, you know, kind of talking a little bit. And so, um, and then day two rolls around and she doesn't say anything. And it's kind of like, she was just like so indifferent, right? And we do that with God, right? God pursues us and he's like, hey, Aaron, like, uh, are you ready to change? And I just like leave him on red, you know, like, what? <laughs> That's what I felt like Janelle was doing to me in the beginning, right? And three days later, she said, yeah, well, it's whatever. Maybe we'll do this. But, but we do that with God, and we just, we just leave him hanging there, right? No response. And then we get a month down the road, and we're like, man, if only God would do something, forgetting that. Again, a month ago, he's like, Aaron, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. And instead, we ignore him. We don't pursue him. We're passive about the whole thing. And then we complain and moan that our life is still the same. You ever do that? Just do the same thing over and over again. The same thing. Complaining, but not pursuing, not sacrificing. Man, not, not digging deep and giving him all. We play hard to get. But Paul lays out what our attitude should be. Again, he says, but I press on to possess I press on to possess because Christ first possessed me. The words there are not passive. They're strong. They're intentional. Meaning to pursue, to chase down, to seize. That's the language God uses. It's aggressive. Like I'm going to run it down. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to tackle it. Like, like a pursuing a fugitive, right? I mean, there's no passive thing about that. Paul says, I press on to possess what Christ Jesus first possessed me. There's no indifference to it. There's nothing on the fence about it. It's all in 100%. He's gonna get it whether you like it or not. That's the kind of attitude we should have. And he says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And if we're gonna recenter our lives on God or center it for the first time, it requires an intimate relationship that comes through a pursuit of Jesus. An aggressive pursuit. You may, you may end up looking a little weird, but you'll get eternal glory. Your life will change. The bonds of addiction will be broken. You, you'll find freedom. You'll experience the best marriage in spite of her making you wait three days to answer a text message that, that you could ever experience, right? It'll be greater than you can ever imagine. And, and if we want that real life change, it requires this kind of pursuit of Jesus. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. In John 14, 9, Jesus said this, I've been with you all this time, Philip, yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. It, it, when we pursue Jesus, we're pursuing God, the creator, the Father. An intimate relationship with God comes to their pursuit of Jesus. Let's look at Philippians 3.13, right? So just following right along with that, Paul says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, 
but I focus on this one thing. Say one thing. It's one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Point number two is this. An intimate relationship with God requires that we get rid of the baggage. We get rid of the baggage. And, and he says, I, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, right? Well, the baggage. Um, I know, again, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Janelle and I's marriage as an example because it, it applies here. I mean, and I believe, um, I believe marriage is a gift from God, but um, I, I believe it, it's meant to grow us um, and, and to resemble our relationship um, with Jesus, right? That same type of, of sacrificial love. Um, and, and I know this, um, for Janelle and I, we were not at each other's first marriage, our first love. And, and it's interesting when it comes to Jesus, he's not either, right? We were in love with ourselves and, and sin and the world. Um, whether that came in the form of addiction or not, it doesn't matter that, that we were given fully to, to everything that wasn't God first. And, and so we come in just like just coming into a second marriage with baggage. Now, some of you have a suitcase, some of you got U-Hauls, right? And we come into that, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody's like, yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about there, right? Um, don't look at the person next to you, right? It's a bad time. <laughs> but, but we do that, and uh, I know coming in, um, coming into my, my relationship with Janelle, like I'm, man, um, yeah, yeah, definitely U-Haul, um, but uh I can be um, not a very kind person. My, my wife has a choice word for it. It's not appropriate for the stage. Um, but uh, so do lots of other people that know me um, off of the platform here. And, uh, but I, I know in that, that relationship, right, um, marriage exposes things. And again, that's, that's a picture of what Christ does. What, what does Christ do? He exposes things, right? Brings it to the surface so we deal with it. Marriage does the same thing. You see how that correlates, right? Um, and, and so coming into that relationship, I remember kind of our first disagreement, um, and, and I've shared this story before, but, but I just love it so much. I decided that I was going to show her who's boss and I didn't talk to my wife for three days. Um, and, and here I am, you know, a pastor and, and on staff here at a church and I'm in this marriage and, and I'm just not talking to my wife. Like that's an option. Um, and I'm really going to show her. And I remember on, on the third day, like she, she gets on the phone and she waits till I'm in the room with her and she's staring me down. And, um, and I could just tell in her face. Um, so I decided to talk to her. Who are you calling? I'm calling Rick. Yeah, so um, my boss and my pastor. So that was great. Um, but uh, <laughs> get off track here. But, but we come in with this baggage, right? And it keeps us held back. And, and I know for me, this baggage, um, I, I used it. I had this brokenness where I would use aggression and stuff um, to, to get my way um, and, and to guard myself. And so that's what I tried to do in this marriage, in this relationship. When I came into faith, I came in with baggage too. And I convinced myself that I wasn't good enough for the things of God. That, that God could save all these people, um, that God could even save Miho over here, Mike, and um, he was good. But for some reason, I wasn't, right? Anybody ever struggle with that, right? That they're big good enough? I don't know how I'm good enough for this, right? And it's a lie. What, it's baggage. It's bull. It's bull. But we pull it in, and, and it impacts us. And, and Paul says, listen, I, I focus on this, getting rid of the past. Well, what could Paul have to get away with? Well, he was complacent in the murder of Christians, right? He was a murderer at heart. Killed people, all in the name of God, and realized he was wrong and carried that weight. 
He was, he was a legalist, right? He looked down on people and judged them with wicked intent. And he had to step forward. I always imagine this. I mean, I wonder if Paul was ever like in a group with people where um, he had arrested somebody's relative and persecuted them. Um, and maybe that person perished in, in, you know, at the hands of the Pharisee and, and Paul had been involved in that. And now they're having a the journey with this guy and he's having to look at him and, and, and preach the gospel to him and share with them. And, and they're like, I know who you are. I know, I know what you've done. You ever done that? I, I, I've ran into that. We're, we're here. I'm trying to tell people the good news. And, and then I get this conviction and they're like, man, I've gotten messed up with them. Um, I've done terrible things or whatever it may be. And, and it begins to cloud my judgment. I got to remind myself, no, that's not me anymore. I got I to gotta focus on one thing. I got to center my life around Jesus. That's not me anymore, right? I, I've, I've, been, I've been freed of that, forgiven of that. I'm going to move forward. And, and sometimes that's what we've got to do. And so I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to pull from last year into 2024, but, but make this your, your anthem, your prayer, that I look and focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I don't, I don't care what happened last year. I mean, I get that it could be a wound there and it could hurt, but, but do not let it keep you from what God, God has for you, right? Paul didn't, you shouldn't either. God loves you. God wants to use you. And maybe you were a terrible drug addict and a horrible person. Hey, so were a lot of us. Maybe and you, you're a terrible wife or a terrible husband. Um, hey, listen, I, I, can, I can find common ground with you there too. We can go down a whole list of horrible things. And the thing that I've got to remember and that you do too, we've got to focus on forgetting the past, realize that the cross is sufficient, right? That the work of Jesus is greater than our sin, and forget it and, and realize that an intimate relationship with God requires that we get rid of that baggage. It, stop letting it hold you back. Stop letting it keep you from all that God has for you. Hebrews 12.1 says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Again, we're, we're in a race here. It's a journey with God. And the things that we carry like that, that God's already dealt with to slow us down, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God set before us. God, God's already dealt with those things. And sometimes when we come into faith, if we do so good, and we experience God's love, grace, and mercy, and we begin to travel, and then we trip up a little bit, and not only do we carry that offense again, but we pick up all those other things too. And we try to carry those. And God's like, why? <laughs> it's, it's handled. An intimate relationship with God requires we get rid of baggage. Let's look at 3.14 as we begin to close. He says this, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Point number three is this, an intimate relationship with God takes endurance. Say endurance takes endurance. Um, I, uh, this, this last year, I did, I did a triathlon, um, and, and it, it took endurance, right? It was not something that um, you could just wake up and do. It um, was something you kind of had to plan your expenditure of energy on. It, it takes endurance. Well, our faith takes the same thing. Why? Because it's hard. Like, we talked about that, right? It's difficult. It, it's not easy, 
And, and sometimes you sit down and, and you're, you're gonna fellowship with God, right? You're gonna commit. I don't know if you've ever done this and it's just like, and I'm gonna study, I'm gonna get into it. And you open up God's word and it just smacks you right across the face and you're all bloody. I'm like, oh God, like I, I didn't realize I was such a wretched person. Um, right, and, and maybe that's what happens or, or you fail, right? You th- you're like, ah, I'm gonna do so good, God. I'm never going to do this, that, or the other, right? And then what happens? You trip, you stumble, you fall. And you just wanna give up, right? You wanna quit. But it, it takes endurance. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race. I, I pursue it. I, I fight for it. I, I don't go I don't go quietly when the enemy tries to take back from me what God has given me. It it takes endurance. And and when we talk about that, we got to realize that quitting can't be an option. For many of us, if we fail at this, it's not just our our physical life, like, you know, a, a marriage or something. For many of us, it's life or death. Like if, if, I, if I don't do this right, for me, it's, it's back to addiction, which will take my life. And for many of you, that may be the same thing. For others, maybe it's just a marriage. Maybe it's just finances, but those are big things. But, but ultimately, it could be eternity, right? The, the path to life is what? It's narrow. It's narrow, and, and we, we can't allow quitting to be an option because maybe quitting puts us on the broad road. Going back to my marriage again, I know um, when Janelle and I counsel people, whether it's premarital counseling or marriage counseling, we always tell people this, divorce is not an option, right? Your divorce can't be an option. Um, you've you've got to see it through. That takes both people being committed. Right, and I get there's there's circumstances where maybe one's abusive. Well, that person's not committed. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying in, in, in healthy healthy people that aren't abusing each other, and it's not not dangerous or deadly or something. Both people have to be committed, and and those options have to be off the table. Because if if you leave it on the table, you're tempted to take it. Right, and so if quitting is an option with the things of God, if if coming on a Sunday is an option you're going to find yourself opting out. And eventually you're going to find yourself opting out more than not. If Monday is an option, eventually you're going to find yourself opting out. If prayer is an option, eventually you're going to find yourself opting out. Right? If reading your word is an option, eventually you will find yourself opting out. You have to take it off the table. You have to take it off the table. There's no quit. There's no try. There's do. There's pursue. Because God's done so much for us. He's moved so much. He's changed so much that there's no option here. I I can't, I don't allow myself to fathom a life that's not centered around Jesus. I can't. I can't. I know the stakes for me. Do you know the stakes for you? Do, Do you know what's on the table? And so we have to realize that an intimate relationship with God, it's gonna require endurance. There's gonna be times where you wanna quit. There's gonna be times where you don't wanna get up but you have to take the option off the table. And you have to know, don't do it like you did it last year. Br- bring yourself back to that first love. Bring yourself to it for the first time. I don't care, but commit, commit, commit to follow, 
commit to pursue, commit to surrender, commit to humble yourself to the work of God in your life and realize it's going to take endurance. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, verse 35, it says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember that great, the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then, say then, then you will receive all he's promised. For in just a little while, the one, the coming one, will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. That's beautiful. It's written to persecuted Christians who are facing things in their lives. And he's saying, patience, endurance is what you need now. I don't know each of your stories. I don't know what you've gone through last year. I know for many, it was difficult. Patient endurance is what you need now. For some, maybe not so much. Maybe you've gotten complacent. Patient endurance is what you need now. Patient endurance is what you need now. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. I want you to do this right where you're at. I want you to to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to spend a moment with God. I want you to, to evaluate where you're at. Have you gotten off track? Are you easily distracted? Have you found yourself far away from where you started or, or where you should be in terms of your relationship with him? Ask him to reveal that to you. And if you are, if you're like me and you're, you found yourself in a valley, commit to recenter your life around the confident hope of Jesus. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for the opportunity. Lord, to start off a new year. God, in your house, among your people, in your presence. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, and I thank you for every individual that's here. God, I pray over each of us, myself included. Lord, if I've drifted, make me aware. Search my heart. God, point out any of those things in me that that offend you, Lord, and help me to have the strength, the courage, the endurance, God, to get back on track and to commit that, that this year, Lord, that I would pursue you more, that I would pursue you more intimately, and I would come to know you better than I ever have before. I thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done and everything you will do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Well, James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And so 
because we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers, right? We've got some action steps for you. Number one is this, evaluate your priorities and put a greater emphasis on the things of God. Put a greater emphasis on the things of God. And I don't care where you're at, we could always put a greater emphasis on the things of God. Number two, strip away the things that stand in between you and God, as well as the things that become overwhelming distractions. It can't be a good thing if it keeps you from the one thing. Number three, make a commitment to endure at all costs. Don't allow failure to be an option. Take quit off the table. There's no options here. Know the stakes. Everything we talked about tonight, it, it revolves around a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's the beginning. It's the doorway and it's the destination. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never done that, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, it's not only the greatest decision that you'll ever make, but it's a necessary one. If you wanna have freedom from the sin and destruction in your life and of this world. And so that's where we realize that we can't save ourselves. Many of us have tried, right? We can't save ourselves. And we're, we realize that Jesus was the son of God, that he lived and died so that we could be saved and forgiven. And so if that's you, if you've never made that decision here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you so that you can make him Lord of everything. And two, maybe you're in here and you've done that, but you've gotten off track. I wanna encourage you to come back home, right? So can I do that, right? I mean, yeah, yes. So if you're in here and you need to recommit, our same offer stands here in just a moment. We've got some people, they'd love to pray with you and for you. And then maybe there's just something in your life and God's saying that right there, that is standing in the way of what I have for you. And you just know he's been speaking to you through this service. Maybe it's a thought, maybe it's an addiction. Could be anything. But if that's, if that's you, if there's something you need to set down, I wanna encourage you to come pick up one of these white chips. There's nothing special about it, it's a piece of plastic. But when we act out of faith, when we get out of our seat, we come down front knowing that, but when we move, God's gonna move. I think he honors that. And so if that's you, I wanna encourage you to come pick up a white chip. And lastly, if you're sitting here and you just need prayer, you just want somebody to pray with you, pray over you, we'd love to do that too. So for any of those three things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we wanna encourage you to come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you stand to your feet as we close in worship.